0: A series of unfortunate events. Book the fourth. What was that noise? Do it again. Book the fourth. (laughs) The miserable mill. Chapter two. It is much much worse to receive bad news through the written word than by someone simply telling you, and I'm sure that you understand why. When somebody simply tells you bad news, you hear it once, and that is the end of it. But when bad news is written down, whether in a letter or a newspaper or on your arm in felt-tip pen, each time you read it, you feel as if you're receiving that news again and again. For instance, I once loved a woman for various reasons, couldn't for who for various reasons could not marry me. If she had simply told me in person, I would have been sad, of course. But eventually, it might have passed. However, she chose instead to write a 200-page book explaining every single detail of the bad news at great length. And instead of my sadness, and instead my sadness has been an impossible depth. When the book was first brought to me by a flock of carrier pigeons, I stayed up all night reading it. And I read it I read it still over and over as if it is my darling Beatrice is being bringing me bad news every day for the rest of my life. The Baudelaire orphans knocked again and again on the wooden gate, taking care not to hit the chewed-up gum letters with their knuckles. But nobody answered. And that very last try, the very last, they tried the gate themselves and found that it was unlocked. But behind the gate was a large country yard with dirt floor and on the dirt floor was an envelope with the word Baudelaire's typed on the front. Klaus picked up the envelope and opened it, and inside was a note that read as follows, Memorandum to the Baudelaire orphans from Lucky Smells Lumber Mill. Subject, your arrival. Enclosed, you will find a map of the Lucky Smells Lumber Mill, including the dormitory where the three of you will be staying free of charge. Please report to work with the following morning along with the other employees. The owner of Lucky Smells Lumber Mill expects you to be both assiduous and diligent. What do those words mean, assiduous and diligent? Violet asked, peering over Klaus's shoulder assiduous and diligent both mean the same thing said klaus who knew a lot of impressive words from all the books that he had read hard working but mr poe didn't say anything about working in the lumber mill violet said i thought we were just gonna live here klaus frowned at the hand-drawn map that was attached to the note with another wad of gum This map looks pretty easy to read, he said. The dormitory is straight ahead between the storage shed and the lumber mill itself. Violet looked straight ahead and saw a gray, windowless building on the other side of the courtyard. I don't want to live, she said, between a storage shed and a lumber mill itself. Well, it doesn't sound like much fun, Klaus admitted. But you never know. The mill might have complicated machines, and you might be able to find them interesting and study them. Well, that's true, said Violet, you never know. It might have some hardwood, and Sunny would love to, f- love to find something interesting to bite. Snubby, Sh- Sunny shrieked. And there might be something interesting some interesting lumber mill manuals for me to read, Klaus said. You never know. That's right, Violet said. You never know. This might be a wonderful place to live. The three siblings looked at one another and felt a little better. It is true, of course, that you never know. A new experience can be extremely pleasurable or extremely irritating or somewhere in between. And you never know until you try it out. And as the Baudelaire children began walking towards the gray, windowless building that they felt ready to try out their new home at the Lucky Smells lumber mill. Because you never know. In my heart of aches, but my heart aches and I will tell you this, I always know. I know because I have been to the Lucky Smells Lumber Mill and learned from all of the atrocious things that befell these poor orphans during the brief time that they lived there. I know because I have talked to some people who were there at the time and heard with my own ears the troublesome story of the children's stay in Paltryville. And I know because I've written down all the details in order to convey them to you, the reader, just how miserable their experience was. I know, and this knowledge sits in my heart, heavy as paperweight. I wish I could have been there at the lumber mill when the Baudelaire's were there, because they didn't know. I wish I could tell them that I know as they walk across the courtyard raising those small clouds of dust with every step. They didn't know. But I know, and I wish that they knew, if you know what I mean. When the Baudelaire's reached the door of the gray building, Klaus took another look at the map, nodded his head, and knocked. After a long pause, the door creaked open and revealed a confusing-looking man whose clothes were covered in sawdust. He stared at them for quite some time before speaking. No one has knocked on this door, he said finally, for 14 years. "'Well, sometimes when somebody says nothing so strange "'that you don't know what to say in return, "'it is best to polite be polite and say, "'How do you do?' "'How do you do?' Pol- Violet said politely. "'I am Violet Baudelaire, "'and these are my siblings, Klaus and Sunny.' "'The confused-looking man looked even more confused "'and put his hands on his hips, "'brushing some of the sawdust off his shirt. "'Are you sure you're in the right place?' he asked. "'I think so,' Klaus said.' This is the dormitory at the Lucky Smells Lumber Mill, isn't it? Yes, the man said, but we're not allowed to have visitors. We're not visitors, Violet replied. We're going to live here. The man scratched his head and the Baudelaire's watched as the sawdust fell out of his messy gray hair. You're going to live here at the Lucky Smells Lumber Mill? Chigum, Sunny shrieked, which meant, look at this note. Klaus gave the note to the man who was careful not to touch the gum as he read over it. Then he looked down at the orphans with his tired, sawdust-sprinkled eyes. "You're going to work here, too." Children working in a lumber mill is a very difficult job. Trees have to be shipped out of their bark, have to be stripped out of their bark and sawed into narrow strips to make boards. The boards have to be tied together and stacked and loaded onto trucks. I must tell you that this—that the majority of people who work in l- lumber mills are grown-ups. But if the owner says you're working here, I guess you're working here. You'd better come inside. The man opened the door further, and the Baudelaire stepped inside the dormitory. My name's Phil, by the way, Phil said. You can join us for dinner in a few minutes, but in the meantime, I'll give you a tour of the dormitory. Phil led the youngsters in a large dimly lit room filled with the bunk filled with bunk beds standing in rows and rows on a cement floor. Sitting or lying down on bunk beds were an assortment of people, men and women, all whom looked tired and all whom looked covered in sawdust. They were sitting together in groups of four or five, playing cards, chatting quietly, or simply staring into space and a few of them looked up with mild interest at the three siblings as they walked into the room. The whole place had a damp smell, a smell roo- a smell rooms get when the windows have not been opened for quite some time. And, of course, in this case, the windows had never been opened because there weren't any windows, although the children could see that somebody had taken a ballpoint pen and drawn a few windows on the gray cement walls. The window drawings somehow made the room even more pathetic. A word here which means depressing and containing no windows. And the Baudelaire orphans felt a lump in their throats just looking at it. This here is the room where we sleep, Phil says. There's a bunk over there in in the far corner that you three can have. You can store your bag underneath the bed. Through that door is the bathroom and down the hall... There's a kitchen. That's pretty much the grand tour, everyone. This is Violet, Klaus, and Sunny, and they're going to work here. But they're children, one of the women said. I know, said Phil, but the owner says they're going to work here, so they're going to work here. By the way, said Klaus, what is the owner's name? Nobody has told us. I don't know, Phil said, stroking his dusty chin. He hasn't visited the dormitory for six years or so. Does anybody remember the owner's name? "'I think it's Mr. Something,' one of the men said. "'You mean you've never talked to him?' Violet asked. "'Well, we've never even seen him,' said Phil. "'The owner lives in the house across from the storage shed "'and only comes to the lumber mill for special occasions. "'We see the foreman all the time, but never the owner.' "'Taruka?' Sunny asked, which probably meant, "'What's a foreman?' "'A foreman,' Klaus explained, "'is somebody who supervises workers. "'Is he nice, Phil?' Oh, he's awful, one of the other men said, and the others took up the cry. He's terrible, he's disgusting, he's revolting, he's the worst foreman in the world. He's pretty bad, said Phil to the Baudelaire's. The guy we used to have, Foreman Furstein, was okay, but last week he stopped showing up. It was very odd. The man who replaced him, Foreman Flack. Oh, God, here's another weird name. (sighs) Flacutono. Foreman Flacutono is very mean. You'll stay on his good side if you know it's good for you. He doesn't have a good side, the woman said. Now, now, said Phil. Everything and everybody has a good side. Come on, let's have supper. The Baudelaire orphans smiled at Phil and followed the other employees up the Lucky Smells Lumber Mill into the kitchen they still had lumps in their throats as big as lumps in the beef casserole that they ate for supper. The children could tell from Phil's statement about everything and everybody having a good side and that he was an optimist. An optimist is a word here which refers to a person such as Phil who who thinks hopeful and pleasant thoughts about nearly everything. For instance, if an optimist had a left his left arm chewed off by an alligator, he might say in a pleasant and hopeful voice, Well, this isn't too bad. I don't have my left, my left arm anymore, but at least nobody will ask me if I am right-handed or left-handed. But most of us would say something more along the lines of, Ah, my arm! The Baudelaire orphans ate their damp casserole and tried to be optimists like Phil, but try as they might, none of their thoughts turned out to be pleasant or hopeful. They thought of they thought of the bunk bed that they would share in the smelly room with windows drawn on the wall. They thought of doing hard work in the lumber mills, getting sawdust all over them, being bossed around by foreman Flacu, oh gosh, Flacu Flacutano, oh my God, how do you even say that? What, what is with the ridiculous names? Flaccatono, Flaccatono? Flaccatono? I don't know. I'm gonna Google it tomorrow. Foreman Flacatono. They thought of the eye-shaped building outside the wooden gate, and most of all, they thought of their parents, their poor parents, whom they missed so much and whom they would never see again. They thought all supper, and they thought while changing into their pajamas, and they thought as Violet tossed and turned at the top bunk, and Klaus and Sunny tossed and turned below, they thought as they did in their courtyard, that you never know, and at their new home, they could still be a wonderful one, but they could guess, and At the lucky smells, employees snored around them. The children thought about their unhappy circumstances and began guessing. They tossed and turned and guessed and guessed. But by the time they fell asleep, there wasn't a single optimist in the Baudelaire bunk. Peyton. She is going to miss this whole book. All right. I'm Googling that name because that is another ridiculous name.